from a culture perspective, our purpose is supporting the dreams of the doers. So the people part of that is what we call our dreams culture and our dreams program. And that's really this idea that you can achieve a lot more as, as an executive or a team member in a business if you're actually balanced and engaged. Welcome to the Strategy and Leadership Podcast, the podcast that brings you practical advice, lessons, and stories from senior leaders and thought leaders from around the world. The Strategy and Leadership Podcast is brought to you by SME Strategy, working with organizations around the world to create and implement their strategic plans. To learn more, visit smestrategy.net. And now, your host, Anthony Taylor. Hey there, folks. Welcome to today's episode of the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. My guest today is Oren Klopper, who is the CEO at Netsuit. Oren, how's it going today? Really good. Good to chat. Good to meet you, Anthony. I'm super excited. Where are you calling from today? Calling out of Johannesburg in South Africa. Excellent. And today is Monday. How was your Monday? Fantastic, very productive, and uh, I got back into the pool, uh, so I was at the pool at 5 a.m. this morning, and uh, really the best best way to start the day, sun rising at quarter to six, so I had a great day, great start to the day. Excellent. One of the reflections I had, because uh, as I mentioned, you know, fatherhood and parenthood and all that kind of stuff, as I reflected, I said, I need to prioritize personal health instead of working in those early mornings so that I can ultimately be better for myself and better for those around me. And then as we were talking in our kind of pre-show, you're saying, hey, you know, like there's a way to to get more out of people, air, air quotes, in an eight-hour day than a 10 or, or 20 hour. But before we get into the kind of like nitty gritty of, of your approach to people, why don't you explain to people about, you know, your background, how you got to where you are now, you know, what does your company do? And then I can ask you about your CEO experience. Yeah, sure. Yeah, so I met some friends at university and I must admit I was a little disillusioned when I first attended university thinking it was going to be this grand exposure to deep thinking and they're going to want to know what I thought about everything. And that definitely wasn't the case. And quite early on, we were able to start a business selling engineering calculators and computers to engineering students and and friends and family. And uh, over 20 years later, here we are today, uh, approximately 300 people across uh, the East Coast of the US and South Africa, and really focus on what we call the sort of mid-market and uh, enterprise space, small to mid-market and enterprise space. So from 25 user companies right the way to as big as seven, 800 user environments. So we either are their IT department, Anthony, or we work with their IT department to take care of the operational support of their business, the day-to-day problems, challenges. We proactively monitor that. And then we also deliver a digital transformation and automation service in a monthly way called Innovate, where we look for automation opportunities within, within their organization. Cool. And did you dream that that's what your company would be doing 24 odd years ago, selling calculators? Or has it been a a gradual evolution or bumps or somewhere in between? No, we, I definitely didn't have a clear view. It's, it's evolved so many times. 
through the process. And as soon as we feel our differentiation is in a, in a, in a good space, we find we have to reinvent ourselves. You know, and just the space that you come from, I find so fascinating being strategic planning. Yeah, it's, uh, we're constantly having to rethink where is the blue ocean and uh, never, ever able to rest, rest on our laurels. Would you say that's a function of you as a CEO? Would you say that's a function of the kind of digital space that in itself is constantly evolving into what's next? Or would you say it's a function of kind of your people and culture and that kind of breeding ground that you're physically in that supports that that kind of thinking or all of the above? I, I love the idea that that what we are aspiring to and doing is unique and is able to bring a, a different level of value and impact to our customers. And I think there are certain elements of our strategic plan, planning process where that is entrenched. So it forces us to unearth it. Mm. And um, I think at times we've had to be more defensive and haven't necessarily been able to invest to the level that we would like to. But at other times, we've um, we've managed to be very aggressive and invest at levels that we only dreamed of. Uh, so I think it's entrenched almost in our operating system and the way we do strategic planning that that brings this uh, constant uh, renewal about. Hmm. So I, I'm really curious, and I love that, A, that you do strategic planning and, and B, that you've uh, been able to reflect the growth of the business, but in a very like, you know, kind of, for lack of a better word, you mentioned it like the offense and defensive, but, but managing the trends, did you have indicators? Like what were some of the things that gave you those reflection points where you said, Hey, this is like, this is the position or the stance or the choice that our business needs to take. And, and if I may, before I let you answer, cause sometimes I answer questions over questions. Yeah. Some people always just say, let's grow, let's grow, let's grow, let's grow. And that's not always, in my opinion, the best way to do it because then you outgrow your own capacity. So how did you step back, reflect on the very real needs of your business? And, and yeah, I'll let you just go from there. Yeah, for sure. Probably the best way to sort of share our experience was is to look at, so going into 2019 and kind of the end of 2019, looking at our organic growth and some of our sales numbers, it was quite clear that our organic growth had almost stalled and we were not getting the leads that we used to, and we were not able to bring on new customers, as many new customers as we used to. And um, come sort of January 2020, we realized there was, there was, there was a tidal wave coming at us. And uh, having been through sort of 2001, 2002, that economic reset, 2008, 2009, that economic reset, one thing we are very good at as a business is confronting the hard facts and confronting the reality. So we reacted very aggressively. We thought it was going to be significantly worse than it was. We aggressively cut costs more aggressively than we ever have. and took 50% of those cost savings, put it in back into cash flow and profits just to protect the future. And then the other 50% of those, those savings, we put into what we called an innovation provision. So we suddenly built up a budget to do things that we had never dreamed of doing before. 
we literally increased our, our marketing spend four times in that period. And we became very aggressive around acquisitive growth. And we were able to grow our revenue from just over $20 million to over $30 million in 18 months with a combination of acquisitive growth and organic growth. So we haven't always been able to do that. And probably as a CEO, that stands out as my one of the proudest sort of chapters in the business. And I don't mean that in an arrogant way or that I figured out a perfect formula, but it definitely came from some institutional and memory and learning we've taken from confronting tough changes in the market. And fortunately, it didn't hit us as severely. We had these additional savings and we were able to use them in a way that that saw us grow and really become a better business. Hmm. No, I really like, and you, you hear a lot of people who make like, you know, financial decisions, but you'd never hear about, so what did they do with that? Like some people are like, okay, they cut, especially now where you see like all of these like big tech, they're cutting costs because they're bloated. They're not cutting costs to pivot or to address it. They say, whoa, we got this wrong. Now, it's not to say that you didn't get it wrong the first time, but the fact that you said, hey, we're going to do this tactically. And I recently wrote about the balance between strategy and operations. That's it. Like strategy, cut costs, operations and strategy, tie it in and go half, half over here and make strategic bets. Given that that was kind of like, okay, let's slam on the brakes and let's make a hard left. Did you have any resistance internally? And I imagine you must have had some. How did you as a CEO effectively kind of change manage that internally without giving away, you know, too many secrets as to as to the ups and downs of it? Look, we have a, a, a transparent meritocracy. So we share all of our financial information pretty much throughout the business. And uh, we have we have Exco and then we have Stratco. So Exco is it's, it's quite big. So from an org design perspective, we haven't figured everything out yet. But we have Stratco, which is a broader group, where it's like your mid-level managers that we invite. So, so we share that very, very transparently. We share bad news before we even have a plan on what to do about it. That's just become embedded in our culture. And one of the th- pieces of thinking around that is to, if we share information transparently and openly, it decentralizes the thinking. So that's that's the one thing so we share very very transparently. And the other thing that we do from a from a culture perspective, our purpose is supporting the dreams of the doers. So the people part of that is what we call our dreams culture, and our dreams program. And that's really this idea that you can achieve a lot more as as an executive or a team member in a business if you're actually balanced and engaged. And the one thing we do in the leadership team is we do a dashboard monthly that basically says, are you coping? Okay, red, green, yellow. We do that across every single member of our leadership team. And interestingly, last year, September, for the first time ever that we've been doing this, and we've been doing it since 2008, there, were more, there was more red in our leadership team than there was any other color. And uh, so it was clear that we were having, there was an issue coming more significant than we had seen before. So we made a whole lot of changes to take some of the intense workload out of that team. And one of the things we did interestingly was we massively downscaled the strategic planning process because what if you run, if we run our full strategic planning process, it can take quite a lot of time of various team members. 
there was definitely some resistance. But I think the one thing that we've realized, having gone through crisis in the business before, there's no greater leadership alignment opportunity than a true, like a real burning platform. And we had one of the most significant burning platforms our, our business had ever seen. So there was unbelievable decisiveness. So it was, um, we saw just, just, just great, great alignment, great initiative, you know, and as, as we've grown as a business, you know, if I look in the early days, Anthony, at, at our business, you know, when we were nine people, I remember walking past a boardroom and seeing they were having a meeting and I'm like, why are you having a meeting? Why am I not in the meeting? You know, and I was such a control freak. I was so inexperienced and so paranoid. And now the less meetings I'm in, the better. So I think one of the things we've learned that has definitely created growth elasticity is to let go to the respective leaders and owners in their parts of the business. And it's the only way we've been able to grow and the only way we were able to succeed through that period. Hey, Anthony here. One of the things I don't talk too much about on the podcast is what we do at SME Strategy. So I wanted to let you know that if you and your team are thinking about getting together you know, this winter or even in the new year for strategic planning, that we'd be happy to have a conversation to see how we might be able to help your team walk through the strategic planning process and make sure that your people, your strategy, your culture are on the same page. One of the most exciting parts about the work that we do is being able to lead people through a proven process to help them get to where they want to go. If you're interested about that process, our video about it on YouTube just hit over a million views. So be sure to check that out. Let us know what you think. Uh, but most importantly, I wanted to let you know that if you are looking for somebody to partner with your team to support everybody in getting aligned, moving forward towards a clear set of goals and objectives, and really making sure that you have the foundations for that next stage of growth, that we can partner with you to do that. Whether that's through an offsite strategic planning session or, you know, follow up support services to keep you accountable, to help your team grow and develop, or really to lead a full transformation. So if you're interested, check out smestrategy.net. You can check out our about page, our services page. It'll tell you more about how we do things. And I'd be happy to have a conversation with you to see if we're a good fit to help. Thanks so much. I appreciate you listening to the podcast. And now let's get back into the episode. Hmm. I love that you had you created a dashboard for your people because people talk about it, but the fact you know it doesn't need to be complicated. It's like a bathroom cleanliness meter. It's green, yellow, yeah. red. Like, what do you need? Um, yeah. And that you were able to really like you know pull the cord and say, "Hey, team, we need to work on this." And then to bring the alignment because everybody had already voted and said, "Yeah, like this is something we need to work on. Let's scale down something else so we could scale this up because it was important." And then you also mentioned the story of at nine people going through and seeing the boardroom saying, hey, why the heck am I not in here? So I imagine between, you know, the sageness of being able to scale down your strategic planning, evolving from, you know, the needing to control your, your team of 10, you know, what are some of those other big lessons that you've learned that you're like, hey, if I could bottle this up and give it to somebody to save them a world of hurt, I would do that. And if you've got like, you know, one or two, you know, pearls of wisdom that you'd be willing to share. I think our listeners would greatly appreciate it. Uh, I imagine there's times in your career where you were humbled or you got your butt kicked as it relates to being a leader. And what are some of those uh, times that you would say, oh, I learned this and I'll never do that again? 
Yeah, for sure. No, that's a great, a great uh, question. Look, I always reflect on if I was reporting to a board or we we had a lot of external shareholders, when would I have been fired? And uh, there are quite a few examples of that. The one example was we took on a significant amount of debt. The term of the debt was an RR of 20%. In the earlier times of my career, I didn't necessarily know the difference between an interest rate and RR. And anyway, we'd been getting statements from the lender saying that we owed X amount, but when you actually worked out what we really owed, it was a crippling amount. And it had been, uh, we'd, ga- we'd secured that debt at a time when the business was a lot smaller and a lot riskier. So that was definitely uh, an intention. Long story short, we were able to negotiate a settlement of that and, uh, and get uh, a significant amount out of that. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's it, the, there, there are times in our business where we're not even trying and our culture is just flourishing. Our, our, our staff turnover is really, really low. And the other times where we are trying so hard and there are just all sorts of dynamics that are causing issues in our culture and we're struggling to find talent and we're struggling with staff turnover and um, sometimes it's actually I'm getting my ass kicked and I can't clearly see and understand why. And it's almost just stick to the things I know and just persist and, and, and eventually they come, they come right. Look, the one thing I've realized is I've, in my role as the CEO of the business and in other, I've never arrived. I've never come to a point where I've got all the answers. I've figured everything out. There's always a new curveball that comes around the corner that I have to rethink and that humbles me all the time. No, I love that. And well, thank you for, for going there because I could see that you really put some some honest thought into it and, and reflecting and saying, hey, sometimes it doesn't go like you want. And sometimes, especially as a CEO, you know, we do the things that we think we have to do to survive. And, you know, like the ebbs and flows, if we charted it out, you know, we don't, we're not tracking sleepless nights or or concerns or anything like that. But, you know, you're doing what you need to do for your people and, and also recognizing that there's a, a continuous growth mentality, both for yourself and for your people. And then also recognizing that there's times that your organization succeeds in spite of you, probably, uh, yeah. and that things are really moving and you're like, hey, like, I, you know, maybe I should step out for a little bit and they'll they'll take care of it. So so if, if we look at the future, we looked at the past, we look at the future just as we as we wrap up. You know, what are, what is something that you're really excited about, either from the market, either from your people, either for you personally, just as a CEO and as a human being that excites you and it doesn't have to be business and it doesn't have to be advice? Yeah, sure. Look, I, I, you know, uh, for us, the growth dynamic in our business is both across organic and acquisitive. And um, we are actively leveraging both of those to be able to create the growth we want to achieve. And having completed three acquisitions last year, we're definitely building a, an acquisitive growth muscle that is taking me personally through a lot of growth. Um, we bought on an advisory board member, you know, and every now and then as an entrepreneur, and I'm sure you've seen it, Anthony, you engage with someone that is coaching and guiding you that you are just so inspired 
and you're growing so much from. So we brought on an advisory board member. His name is Adam Kofi. And um, he's been guiding our buy and build and our sort of exponential growth strategy in this next phase. I've just been learning so, so much. So if I look at my role, I'm deeply involved in the marketing and sales side. I'm deeply involved in the acquisitive growth side and the culture side. Those are the three areas. And, you know, you sometimes look and say, okay, fine. How do I remove myself from the business to be able to work on the business instead of in the business? But there are some things I just love so much that inspire me so deeply that I, I hope to be remain to remain involved in for a long time. So really to conclude, it's it's the growth that we are leveraging now across both acquisitive and organic and seeing where that can take us. So I love that. All right. I saw somebody post, he says, I'm only doing two things in my life now spending my time and energy on my business where I have a unique set of ability or skills and spending time with my family. And I reflected on that and I said, if I'm not spending in my business, the place where I'm unique set of skills and abilities, then I'm not adding more value than somebody else would. Therefore, the choices I'm taking away from from family time. And so there's people that are better at you than pretty much everything or at pretty much everything somewhere. And so being able to find those. But then there's also places as a CEO where you say, hey, I've got strengths or CEO or like an employee. I, I was yeah. chatting with somebody the other day and I said, hey, what made you great over here in this like non-career part? And I said, well, why aren't you doing that now? Like, why aren't you like bringing like what really makes you you into this situation? Because that's your strength. And uh, I was able to kick his butt in a little way. And I think he got it. So shout out, buddy. Way to go. But I think it's important that we play to our strengths and, and leverage that and recognize we have so much room to grow. So, Aaron, uh, as we finish up here, anything you want to say to our audience and, and how can they learn more about Nitzrit? Yeah, sure. We deeply believe that um, technology be- can be leveraged. To, to automate a lot in your business. So if you're an executive in your business and you wanna, want to explore what can be automated, we offer a, a business automation assessment. It literally takes 45 minutes where one of our innovate experts sit down, talk to you, and you come out of that having an understanding of what can be automated in your business, leveraging some of the technology that you already have. So if you want to explore that, you can, you can actually text me on, on 917-517-7763. Just put in automate and uh, I can connect you with my team and we can set up uh, an automation assessment for you. See, that sounds awesome. And uh, the best way to get a hold of you, text or otherwise? <laughs> te- te- text is great. 917-517-7763. You know, I'm one of um, those uh, types of entrepreneurs that I love engaging with people. So I'm obsessed with responding quickly. and It drives my team crazy. So yeah, happily engage. Or you can go on my LinkedIn and, and connect with me on LinkedIn. Well, we'll put both of those in the notes. It's funny. I have a set up an auto responder today because I'm just getting really busy and in, in, in strategy sessions. And one of my trusted people said, Hey, I, if, if I was you, I wouldn't put your uh, phone number in there for people to text you. And I'm like, it sounds like if you were you, you wouldn't do that, but I'm me and I'm <laughs> going to do it. And I'm okay with it because I don't mind. So if anybody wants to talk about strategic planning, you can text me. Uh, Oren, it's been such a pleasure. Thank you for the time today. It's been a blast and I wish you nothing but the best. Uh, in the future. Thanks so much, Anthony. Folks, my guest today, Oren Klopper, who is the CEO of Netsuit. 
So be sure to text him. Uh, don't text him uh, anything other than talking about automation or maybe the odd meme. Uh, be sure to check out what, what they're doing. We didn't chat about his passion for culture um, and people, but it's clear to me his style of leadership is to support those around him and recognize that he can only get better. And that sounds like a great company to not only to work for, but to work with. So I wish you guys nothing but the most success. And I appreciate you being on the show today, Lauren. So folks, thanks for watching. Thanks for joining me on today's episode of the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. Once again, my name is Anthony Taylor. Appreciate you for watching. Appreciate you for subscribing. Uh, let me know if you want to talk about strategic planning and I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. We post twice a week, so you can count on us for your weekly source of content to help you grow and expand as a leader. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please consider giving us a review. We read every single one, and it helps us make a better show for you, the listener. Also, it helps more people find the show, which means we can help as many people as possible. We appreciate you listening and following along, and we hope you have a wonderful rest of the day. And as Anthony says, until next time.